Welcome to Finding the Line, uh, open conversations and debate about faith, spirituality, and living life. My name is Ben. And I am Nathaniel. And please welcome our first guest host. Who are you? Oh, who am I? Um, yeah. <laughs> Daniel from Queensland, mate. Yeah, no, mate. Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it is good um, to have you, Daniel. It, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I, I know I, I've been I've been following you book blokes for a while, and um, you know I've had some interactions online, and um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be able to have the conversation across across the continent with the mighty continent of this place we now call Australia. Mm, so, that's right. Wonderful. That's right. Wonderful. Yes. 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 Indeed. So this is our first episode in our new format where mm. we are, it's no longer just Ben and Nathan, it's Ben and Nathan and friends. Yay! <laughs> For lack of a better way of which, which tells us that we actually have friends. <laughs> like, At least that's the lie we tell I'm, I'm, ourselves. That's right, that's the lie the we tell ourselves. In reality, there's going to be like five episodes and then sadness and regret. Yeah, we, we, and we a lot of drinking. Years ago, but we're still so, going, so it's fine. No. <laughs> I was going to say, does, that, does this mean... Does, does this mean that, like, you might have to cycle through your guests a little bit? Like, well, I'll tell you what, if we find people we like and you get, like, good ratings, then you'll be coming back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, look, sharing this far and wide. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, our strategy is working. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Because this is an interview, um, you know? an interview, but no, <laughs> a no, job interview. Yeah, yeah, cool. no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> our, our stalkers know a lot about us, but they would like to know some about That's you. That's right. If if someone were to stalk you, what would you like them to know? Oh well, I'm That's single. A different question. Um, yeah. So <laughs> single. If, yeah. if they're good looking and have a good personality, I'm more than interested. And they're a woman. Um, <laughs> hasten to add. Oh, so I'm 35. I am a dad. I've got two beautiful little girls. Yeah. I, I'm in the midst of doing, um, a whole lot of, uh, I sort of community ministry, community work, young people. That's what I do for a job. Awesome. And yeah, but also just trying to, yeah, reach out and connect with other like-minded folks and just trying to find ways of forming community and, and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah. Uh, so it's been quite a, quite a journey and I've met some amazing People both locally, but also across the country and, and internationally through my journey as well, which has been lots and lots of fun. Had lots of very life-giving conversations and uh, lots of cool stuff as well. So uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm where I'm at. I've got a, a weakness for AFL, and you're, you guys are actually stopping me from watching the first game of the restart as it's oh, happening goodness. right now. We're oh, talking. I know, so I, was, I know, I know. This, that is, that is weird, commitment I, level on your end. I am a, I am a weird Queenslander that actually prefers Australian rules football over rugby league. But the Brisbane Lions are my team. What else? Uh, I played the trumpet. Um, no, no so way. I actually studied that at university. Yeah, wow. used to be a teacher. Yeah, so uh, not that I get to play too much these days, but yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that you play yeah. trumpet as well. It's not quite the sexy saxophone, but I feel like the trumpet's still still pretty pretty up there. It's it's loud. Yes, that's um, right. <laughs> I like I like that it's loud, and um, I've made lots of people feel very afraid um, as a result. So, 
which is which is really good. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. So good. Well, what we're basically sort of doing, I guess, is like reaching out to people and going, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And what was our topic? Faith transitions? Is this the buzzword? Yeah, I guess so. Faith transitions, I guess there's lots of people at the moment talking about deconstruction, reconstruction, yeah, transitions, mm. uh, all of that that sort of stuff. Yeah, all, all of those sorts of things, how we, we shift and change and evolve as people, I guess, and as, and as people that maybe are the God-bothering types, see mm. how that, that all works. I've actually been through two faith transitions in my lifetime. Oh, yeah, um, go for it. Tell us a bit. So, yeah, so I guess to give you a, bit of, a little bit of background, uh, when I was five and a half we we moved from brisbane so that's where i was born up to a little a little town about three and a half hours drive north of here called harvey bay which is a town that's known for whale watching and a drop off point to fraser island and lots of old people yeah i actually remember there was a story in the murdoch press about uh about the fact that there's a dirty great big pathway where old people can ride their little scooter things that's kind of how we roll yeah so I did all my schooling up there I'd moved up there yeah as I said just before I started primary school and Mm. um so how that connects in with with faith was that to move to go to move to a small town obviously you need to find ways of connecting in with community and my mum was a as was someone that yeah, was, had grown up in church and whatever else, but my dad was not someone interested and was not a religious person at that point in time, but basically said to my dad, I'm taking uh, my brother, who's two years younger than me, off to and I off to church. So, uh, and you can come if you want. And he did, remarkably enough. Um, so I ended up at this small Anglican church. So for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with what that's about, um, so the Anglican Church, otherwise known as the Episcopal Church or the Church of England, whatever you want to call that. Quite, yeah. Yeah, quite liturgical, lots mm. of old hymns, prayer books. Yeah, very formal kind of uh, way of, of worshipping. Um, and my church didn't have a lot of young people in it. Um, but nonetheless, it was a, a really, it was a, looking back on it, it was a really great way to grow up it was quite inoffensive in terms of its theology you know we didn't sort of get told that we have to go out and save people which was probably a good thing for my (laughs) stress levels going through school because it's probably a bit awkward being a christian going into a state school but um yeah um (laughs) yeah and all of that stuff so you know there's no obligation to actually bring people bring my friends into church which was nice Hmm. Um, and yeah, like, I think that there, there was some really rich tradition in, in that, in that space. So, which I guess as it's sort of subsequently, as life has sort of unfolded, probably grounded me quite well in, 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 yeah, I guess ways of connecting with God and, and all of that sort Hmm. of stuff. So, so yeah, that was sort of how it started. For me, that was my childhood, my early, my and my and my teenage years. Yeah, until I, uh, I, I couldn't kind of wait to leave because it was pretty suffocating. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like not the church, but the town and just you know sure. just different stuff so, like that. Yes. So when you talk about like that, so as a faith transition in your younger years, you mean that in the sense of transitioning into a Christian faith situation? 
Uh, so no, I don't, I don't mean it that way. I mean that. So, okay. So after I, I, I left, uh, the mighty banging metropolis of Harvey Bay and I moved to the <laughs> even more mighty banging metropolis of Toowoomba, which yeah. in case you're not aware is actually the second largest inland city in Australia. There you go. Huh. Fun there facts. There you go. <laughs> Things you know. Yeah. 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 I moved down to there for university. So as I sort of mentioned, I, I studied music and, um, and I, I went to Toowoomba to study music, which was fun. And, uh, so th- there's a sort of running joke about Queensland being the deep south of or the deep north of Australia and um, in a lot of ways Toowoomba kind of, I don't know, epitomises that. Yeah, so I kind of went straight as, as a sort of someone that was brought up in a fairly left-leaning family go, moving to, the, to Toowoomba for uni, going to a... Um, and I went to a fairly charismatic Anglican church up there too, which sort of opened me up to kind of the Pentecostal thing a little bit, unwittingly and unknowingly a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yes. And so um, when I was, so back in 2005, I went, uh, I, I connected in with some, some, some dear friends that, or people that became dear friends that were quite, yeah, conservative, charismatic, Pentecostal, um, that whole thing. And, um, yeah, I remember about would have been around about sort of August that year being laid out on the floor, bub- bubbling away in tongues, which was not something that I'd ever planned to happen, but ended up kind of in this kind of space where I was, yeah, slain in the spirit and having a whole this whole this whole sort of thing. So that sort of blew it out of the border. That was sort of the first transition that I I went through. So wow, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went through from this sort of inoffensive Anglican faith to this kind of rule, I guess, in inverted commas, on fire for God. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the uh, you know, the are you hot or cold for Jesus type style crowd. That's it, man. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. And so, you want to be uh, hot for Jesus, according to that crowd as well. You didn't want to get spat out, right? Yeah, that's well, right. Yeah, you got it. Really God would just literally spit you out because you were lukewarm. Which <laughs> sometimes I feel like that if you know you've left chips out for too long, you know it's just that. Oh, <laughs> oh spit you out! No. Um, so, so instead of being spat out, there was a sense in which you drank the Kool Aid. Drink the Kool Aid, yeah, well and truly. Yes. yes. So, so, how old were you around this time then? Uh, I was twenty when this right, happened. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For context, so this is. Early two thousands. Um, right. yep. So I moved moved to Toowoomba in two thousand and three when I was eighteen. So if you've ever heard of the book "I Kiss Dating Goodbye" oh, by yeah. Joshua Harris, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I remember <laughs> walking in the Toowoomba has a Kurong. Oh, there you go. Really? Oh, well, there oh, you go. Oh, we are. Oh, we yeah. Kurong here. We have yeah. here. You got Kurong in Perth. We do. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> That's the last the, um, remaining bookstore. <laughs> the last although, although just just on record oh, they have Christian changed stuff. ownership in the last two years and you can get robel brinesand and can you, get, can you, you get can get Rob rachel Hell evans yeah you can story. they, they change ownership two years ago and they're actually very diverse in their their literature now so Absolutely. So, you, so you went into kurong pre Pre having Rachel Held Evans in the bookstores back well, in the day. Well, and truly before Rachel Held Evans was a thing. Yeah. Just going, 
oh my goodness, there's like an alternative Christian music scene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is the height of CCM, right? I'm going, whoa. So like every band that I'm into, there's like a Christian alternative. That's amazing. Oh my goodness, I was totally there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was more, I'd never seen this before. It was incredible. Like I was used to hymns written in the 1800s, right? Right, okay. Uh, you know, of course. In my old church. Yeah, I'm that's like, right. oh, there's like bands and there's drums and stuff. Like, <laughs> this is pretty hectic. By the way, I actually love old hymns, just saying. I love, uh, I've got a bit of a penchant for nice. large choirs and organs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I quite sure. enjoy that. It sounds um, like you kind of looped in a way. Like move forward but loop back. Move forward but yeah, loop back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loop, anyway. loop back to about 1750, yeah. That's yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, but it was amazing. And so I kind of dove head first into like this kind of evangelical like cult like enclave this kind of weird thing joshua harris was considered the fifth gospel and oh wow goodness i was actually talking with to a friend of mine last night who i've known for a really long time and um I actually met her through youth camps when I was a teenager, back when I was an Anglican and, and uh, whatever, and we sort of reconnected. And um, we were just talking about our life's journeys and she, she'd sort of said that she'd gone into the rave scene back when she was about 18 or 19 mm. as a sort of rebellion against her church upbringing. And, like, there's so many similarities there when you sort of go, we've got this this longing to find our tribe That's and this this real and like so i kind of lobbed in on this thing and it was like all all these people were evangelical christians and i wanted to find more about god and it was all of this stuff and i just sort of assumed oh well this is all part of the deal so i sort of dove headlong into that that whole thing and slowly by political beliefs went further to the right concerned my family a lot (laughs) uh i had yeah like some really wacky beliefs on a lot lot of stuff and a lot of assumptions about people and um, all of that sort of thing. Yeah, so I was sort of in that whole space for, oh, gee, all up, probably about 13 or 14 years. So mm, Wow, that's know, a long time. But, but but probably started the transition out of it probably a long time before that. Yeah. So mm, Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, yeah, mm. what about you guys? Like, have you sort of found a similar journey or? <laughs> yeah, like, so I was just, as we we're talking, I was sort of reflect, reflecting kind of like on the childhood development coming into, um, like you say, your tribe and how important that is and how you find that. Like, I was raised, you know, like, Christian families and all that sort of stuff and going to church and fairly mainstream evangelical and all of that. But it was probably in my 16, 17-year-old that I sort of took my own ownership of that. So even though aware of all the Christian music and all those sorts of things, once I sort of like found my own group in pr- primarily the youth group leadership that we were a part of, a very tight knit group, that was my group to be part of. And we all played Christian music. We had our own band, you know. Wait, whole- whoa. So let's just pause. You had your own band? Yeah, we had a band. We, um, so. <laughs> what was the name of the band? Fess up. Uh, Zion was the name of the band. It's actually, so, it's actually not terrible. It's not terrible. It's, <laughs> we are Zion. No, much, yeah. like we, 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 we were the, like, the youth band, but we also did our own sort of things. And, nice. Uh, it was kind of fun. All but, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drinking lemonade. 
<laughs> Christian cocktails for the win. Lemon, lemon bitters. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Is there just enough alcohol in yeah. it to be rebellious? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway, I interrupted. Like you were... <laughs> so, your reflection. Like, yeah. Mm. And, you know, I was definitely in on that to the point where, you know, I went to Bible college and went and became a pastor. And, but when you were saying like the, the point of deconstruction, the, the lead up to that was quite lengthy. Like, so even during uh, my time working as a pastor, pulling the party line quite a lot, there was a lot of stuff, which I said, I just like, I put on the, this will get me fired shelf. Uh, mm. <laughs> was, so like yeah. you know, doing a lot of research for sermons and stuff I'm like, okay, that doesn't make complete sense. And there's some issues there, put that one over on the shelf and we'll deal with that later. <laughs> so, but then, you know, those are all the things sort of boiling in the back of my head. Um, and it wasn't until I, yeah, w- was free from that fear. Uh, I guess your employment expectation as well, or not so much. In what know. sense? In the sense of like you, because you were part of that church, you deliberately didn't say certain things. Oh yeah, but not because, not to myself. Sure. Okay. Just publicly. Publicly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because you were talking about Pentecostalism, like in terms of all charismatic ism. Yeah whatever it is and we want to put there and yeah. it got me reflecting on my journey i started identifying as a christian when i was 17 through going to a pentecostal church which as it attains to their sunday sermons was almost self-helpy in nature sprinkled with kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps moralism despite the fact that the people who mentored me or as i would say discipled me themselves introduced me to other people of different voices within that church so any everywhere from someone like a greg boyd which is like to use the buzzword like the anabaptist kind of tradition all the way to like um tim keller as well who was kind of the more of the highbrow reformed evangelical spectrum and having those influential voices. So like I found myself going to youth group, loving youth group because I'd grown up in kind of upper middle class area of Perth and found myself in a low socioeconomic youth group. And I feel like speaking personally about where I'm at with faith that God actually used that to save me from my upper middle class um, worldview because I was saved into the life of people who ministered to me who just didn't have that. And I developed some incredible friendships at youth group by people who I would have never otherwise associated with. So Friday night youth groups was actually such a, a um, saving in all the best ways and, and use that word used in all the correct ways. Um, amazing experience for me. And then, yeah, come Sunday morning though, I would, always, I would sit there and be supportive because I was there. I was starting to become part of the youth group leadership at this Pentecostal church, but then on the side, listening to, to all this other material. And certainly it enabled me to become, I guess, kind of like a person quite grounded in the Pentecostal tradition, but quite nonetheless open-minded to hearing different perspectives. Mm. And for myself, it's hard to speak of faith transition as if it was like a deconstruction as if it was like there's a building and let's put a dynamite to it and then rebuild from the ground up that wasn't my experience i know that is some of our listeners experiences but that wasn't mine mine was almost like a slow renovation 
of the building. And as a result, kind of like, you know, taking Bit Bright Brick down, kind of rebuilding it up, kind of decorating the inside as well, kind of like over time, just because I just had that in- inquiry in mind. I, f- I find myself still within the Pentecostal tradition, but I actually still want to maintain my Pentecostalism, but just do it in a more radical way that's that's moved away from a particular type of evangelicalism yeah so that's yeah. where i'm at yeah that's 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 all that's wonderful my biggest breakthrough in the couple of years is the in the last couple of years is i can think for myself yeah which is crazy right yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna plug dave andrews if you guys have not heard of i've dave heard andrews. of dave andrews yeah he wrote a, he wrote a book called christianity which i actually haven't read yet which is terrible I wait what's it called say it, say it again christianity and uh we've, but we've spoken a lot about it because i've been because i guess part of my story is that i've been really and I'm going to be really careful of what I say <laughs> in right. public forum, but I'm I'm I've been really burned by uh, particularly patriarch white patriarchal leadership structures within church denominations, and I know they exist in every denomination, not just in Pentecostal churches, but every denomination. And like, frankly, you're like I'm just a bit over it. Um, <laughs> so he said to me. So Dave Andrews said to me. Um, and by the way, DaveAndrews.com, I think it is the website. Google nice. him yep. and, and buy all of his books. He's a great guy and <laughs> it's good. I just think amongst it. But he um, he said to me, he's talking about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, right? Talking about self-control, he said to me, if self-control is about self-management, which is kind of what it is about, we often think in coming from evangelical backgrounds we think sin management is about not sinning or mm-hmm. sorry self-management is not about is about not sinning or not you know denial yeah. and all that sort of stuff. which is really the subtext for all you know, when evangelicals talk about sin they're probably talking about sex let's face yeah. it but instead of thinking about it in terms of trying to avoid sin it's about actually self-management and actually actually talking about the fact that we all as believers need to go away and actually work out what the heck we believe mm-hmm. and what the and how we should believe. And I can imagine people like in the early church, they'd get together in each other's houses and drink wine and talk about and have meals together and talk about how do we function as a community? Mm-hmm. How should we treat each other? That's right. What do we believe about this stuff? I mean, that was what the whole idea of Paul, the Apostle Paul writing letters was about helping to form opinions and shape things. And Mm. so this idea of self-control, self-management, he he said to me, what if most churches that allow someone to get up for, you know, look in evangelical churches, it's like 40 minutes, you know, an hour sometimes. Just going to say mainline churches, it's a lot, sermons are a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So something mm-hmm. back going back to Anglican and Uniting Church type churches is that their sermons are much shorter and I love that. And concise. Um, point yeah. A lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, but what is it about, you know, getting, usually it's a white dude, middle-aged white guy up, up onto a pulpit and saying, this is how you need to live your life. This is what God says about X, Y, and Z. What if it actually means that instead of having all people that are ordained, 
um, as someone who's kind of special, yeah, and that's not to that's not to speak ill of people that have done theology theological study or anything like that. Not speaking against that at all. Mm. But what if everyone has a responsibility to work out what they believe, and mm. we actually empower people to work out what they believe, and actually encourage safe spaces for people to come and work that out, and actually be okay with difference and, and understand that you know not everyone's going to believe the same, and that's actually an okay thing. Yeah. Um, and actually be, being affirming of that. I just think that that's a much more healthy way of, of being. So, yeah, so experimenting with different ways of gathering people, that, you know, in community networks. There's a, a, a great community here in Brisbane called the Waiters Union, which Dave is a part of. And, and it's literally a network of people within a local neighbourhood that get together and they talk, they look after each other. And there's lots of people that are living on the margins, a part of that network. Um, and they all look after each other in different ways. And I just think, man, that's there's no hierarchies. There's no, you know, people at the top. There's no kind of um, toxic senior pastor at the top, say, you know, wanting to, you know, assert his authority over everything. It's just, look, we're just all fellow travelers just trying to work all this whole thing out. You know? mm, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good. Like, all right. So the, the question I had, especially when talking about like youth and young young people, not thing, young people. <laughs> Oldest thing to say. Yeah. Those young people. Young people. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) That was very accurate of you both. Anyway, Um, we're just closer to it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, I've done, you're both involved with with youth, and I've done um, like youth groups and all that sort of stuff. I remember like one of the big things that was researched, especially among like church community and all that sort of stuff, is just how influential getting someone at that age is or how important getting important quote unquote getting someone at that age is ironically you never see church very rarely see churches like pour their money there um, to actually connect with that prime audience but you know most research shows that um within and it's true of any organization but it's true especially for churches and stuff that if you can get somewhere in between you know the 16 to 18 year olds hooked into Christianity, then the likelihood that they will stay that for pretty much the rest of their lives is high, high percentages. Sure. Um, they're your prime audience to get. The, the older they get, the like, uh, point of, uh, what's the word? Saving them. <laughs> Converting. Converting. <laughs> wow, yeah. it's been so far out of my vocabulary. Welcome back to the fold, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the older people are at point of conversion, the less likely they are to sort of hang around and commit to the community. Which is ironic, so considering that within a particular version of evangelicalism that close to the death. But anyway. Yeah. Well, exactly. anyway, sorry. But yeah, but it's because it's just like mentally development point is just a, such a influential, important mm. part of your mindset into identifying who you are as a tribe. Everyone coming to that age group is looking to identify themselves and who they belong to. The question then is, where's the ethic in us intentionally as a group or as any group saying, all right, we should ca- capitalize on that and make sure they believe the one thing we do. Mm. like is that right is that ethic because like even i mean obviously from what you were saying in churches it's the standard approach is someone gets up front this is the way you should act this is the way you should believe we don't have the conversations at least from my experience largely with young adults and stuff wasn't people believe different things you should be aware of these and research different aspects and you know learn to think critically that's like largely not what my experience of Mm. religious environments are when trying to manage because you know, every, everyone is going through a faith transition at that age. Can I speak into that? Go. Because I'm, I'm probably 
probably the more representative traditional guy of this group where I, 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 t- I tend to avoid, there's two extremes that I want to avoid. On one hand, I want to avoid an extreme that says you should, ought, and must believe everything I'm saying or believe everything that I'm sharing with you. And that's just how it is. So I want to avoid that extreme. However, I'm, I'm probably differing in that. I also want to avoid the other extreme where it's like a kind of free for all kind of like, you know, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. And who cares what you believe, especially as it relates to, to the younger demographic. And I say that because I always push back and go, do I want people to be discipled in John MacArthur? Do I want people to be unintentionally discipled into the John Pipers of the world? And so I'm in this space where I probably think that you should never limit access to anything. I want to start by saying that, whether it be super conservative or or super progressive or even more moderate, and yet depending on the context I find myself in, like this is different. This final line is meant to give differing perspectives, right? And that's what's healthy about this show. Mm. Like, for instance, you and me, Ben, historically are very different if you look at our past episodes, Mm. right? So that's a different context. But if I was mentoring or discipling, to use the, the language, a young person explicitly within Christian faith, I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't want them. It's not that I would say you can't read a John MacArthur or a John Piper, but I will give my two pence and I will be pretty pretty forward with my two pence and be like, I mean, there's been a a toilet paper shortage lately. (laughs) That's right. That's (laughs) right. There is that. That's right. But if I'm like discipling a young person who says, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I will have my biases and I will have my theological biases and, I'll be honest, I would probably err them more towards people that I consider to be very, quote-unquote, Jesus-y. Now, of course, that's an open-ended question. What does it mean to be Jesus-y? And that's, that's a whole other conversation in a way. But I would say somebody who really knows how to kind of dig deep historically in being like, hey, maybe capitalism isn't great for the faith. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is a better economics that Jesus offers. And here it is. Here it is in Acts 2. Yeah, for sure. That's my mm-hmm. two pence. Yeah, I think I'll probably got two two things probably mm. to add to that. Um, I so I guess in I won't mention too much about my workspace, but yeah, um, but generally speaking, I um, I I work in a very secular environment. So I don't I've never worked in a Christian school before. I've I've actually worked in Catholic schools as as a music teacher before, but I've never I haven't done I haven't done a lot of uh, quote-unquote, ministry work within a Christian-y type space. Mm-hmm. I've mainly worked in secular space in, in sort of government spaces or whatever else. And um, so I guess the first thing I would say to that, I mean, so a lot of the kids that I've worked or the young people I've worked with in, in my time have no field of reference at all mm, for right. anything to do with spirituality i i think so i've got a a a good friend of mine he works with young people within in an anglican school down on the gold coast and he's he said he and he's done youth ministry within more liturgical contexts 
And he said that actually you'd be surprised what young people are interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the whole stereotype that lights and smoke machines and people doing crazy stuff on stage and all of that sort of thing mm-hmm. is not actually really what young people are after. No, not. So that's the first yeah. So that's the first thing I, I, I would just encourage, like, how about, I guess to invert the question, mm. I wonder what young people actually think. Mm, exactly. So I think that this is a value that we should have for everyone, regardless mm. of their age demographic. What do they think? Yes, what are they, right. what are they, what, you know, and actually valuing people for their own humanity. One of the things that I've learned, I guess, through my journey, one of the questions that I had to wrestle with. And actually Brian Zon's um, Sinners in the Hands of the Loving God actually really helped me with some of this stuff mm. um, and kind of helped me deconstruct penal substitutionary atonement and all of that sort of thing is like this sort of idea that actually Christ is present within everyone. Mm-hmm. Like we're all image bearers, regardless of the label we put yep. on ourselves, we're yep. all image bearers. And I think that I think that it's amazing the insight that a lot of young people actually have. Yeah. I'm constantly blown away by the insights that the certainly the young people that I've worked with mm-hmm. um, have come out with, and the sort of initiative that they have, and the sort of stuff that they say. It's amazing. Mm. So I think, yeah. Uh, so whilst I definitely am a believer in. Walking alongside young people, um, I I'm passionately believe that. I think Jesus may offer some insight into that, like the idea that, like, like how many recorded sermons are there in the box? In, That's in right. The That's There's right. two, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Sermon yeah, on yeah. the Mountain, the Sermon on the Plain. There's two of them. Hmm. A lot of the other stuff that happened happened around campfires and around hmm. meals and around That's right. incidental inter- interactions. Yeah, That's right. And I think. And the thing that I find incredibly captivating about Jesus and the way that he interacted mm. was the fact that he didn't just launch into doctrinal statements about what we believe. He, he would always lead with a question and he yeah. would leave it open for a person to actually, mm. you know. Yeah. And that's definitely, as I've evolved, I've definitely been better at asking, asking particularly young people, but the adults in my world as well, mm. questions. What do you mm. think about that? Or what's the question behind the question? Oh, yeah. Why are you asking? Questions sometimes from, from people. Well, what, why are you asking? Well, what's, that's right. What's, what's prompting you to ask that question? And then they'll come out with their story. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's that's talk right. more about that. That's right. Um, mm. So I think, so that's the first thing. And I think, what was this? Ah, oh, second thing, but the idea of like sometimes we actually really need so that tribalism we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. we really needed, I really needed that in some ways. That's right. But the yeah. problem is that people get stuck in their tribe. That's right. Yeah, that's it. And so I guess helping young people to actually build a more inclusive understanding of the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it may short circuit some of the, the John Piper, John MacArthur, the Johns, um, <laughs> you know, understanding, you know, they're all named John. I don't know. Weird, right? I just get frustrated all the time. Oh, should we allow women to go into the ministry? Um, why is that even a freaking question? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> of, course we, of course, like we get stuck in these, in these, in these tiny little spaces, 
where we're, we're talking about these, like I consider them almost irrelevant. I mean, I know yeah, a lot of people. Completely agree. Personally, I think, man, like, why is this even like what? Why? Like, yeah. there's so many examples in the Bible of women doing incredible things for God and speaking. That's right. Into cultures and a whole lot of stuff. That's right. Why is that even a question? question? Mm. You know, um, the fact that I'm, I'm going to go there. The fact that the the idea of oh well, a person who's queer or a person who's gay, like. This mm. this sort of idea of oh well oh should we allow that you know these people mm. to like well that's yeah that's part of their identity but that's right yeah <laughs> really right. why it's- is this even a damn question mm. like because they're made in the image of God so I just reckon in terms of our engagement with young people and by the way young people are better at this than people my age are yeah they are. um yeah I think you know that because they're literally going. Yeah. So, what about LGBT folks? So of course, of course, they're, they're loved by God, and of course, they they should be accepted and welcomed. They're way ahead of this than we are. They're sort of going, well, yeah, cool. Let's talk about how inclusion works and just some of those sorts of things. I think that they're the the sort of conversations that we really need to be having with young people. That's right. Um, rather than just, I guess, getting them to say and say a prayer and go, oh, you're a Christian now. Good on you. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Give us exactly. money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's funny. Like I've often heard it said, you know, oh, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. But I've, I've to inverse that. It's like, well, if Jesus is the question, and we have to explore that. Yeah, hundred mm. percent. I agree. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's like, for me, that's where faith transitions. They almost are that teenage experience again in a lot of ways because they are that. All right. Not only are you deconstructing a lot of the time, from my, at least from my experience, what it is you're quote unquote thinking or some sort of process thought. We're going through a lot of the time those questions of where do I belong, who who are my people, um, the in out the in out game. What may, what and you know that's where a lot of those surface levels questions like, oh, does this make me in? Does this make me out? Am I included here? Am I not included here? Uh, how do I go through all those things? And I think like a lot of those questions and those experiences we had when we were young developing those identities when we start to transition out of those be it faith or into some other areas of our lives um it's interesting mentioning sexual identity because that's another big trigger for a lot of people as well it's just being aware and having um having people around you to help you through that process of asking the questions rather than just going oh this is the thing you shouldn't shouldn't believe or this is the direction you have to go uh, we were talking about before we started recording was how even saying, oh, I may not believe in the Jesus that I always believed in, but that doesn't mean I don't have to be like, that doesn't necessarily make me not a quote unquote Christian. I don't ha- like atheism isn't the only res- other option there. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we start asking questions about those boundaries and things, we can find a place where we sit comfortably within other tribes, I guess. Mm, mm. And I think as well, and I'm sp- speaking kind of as a, a Pentecostal, a non-evangelical Pentecostal with an Eastern Orthodox bent. Like there's actually foundational theology behind exactly that Mm. within that stream of thought because, you know, even the idea of how the Eastern Orthodox view what it means to be saved is that it's, it's, it's not you're in or you're out. It's that here's a center point, like a well that's, that's filled with water and you're either moving more towards or more away. And in that sense, things like questions, and things like acknowledging the image of God in people in those space of questions. And actually, this is very penty of me, actually trusting that 
if I truly believe that God's real and I have to actually trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in those conversations and in those spaces rather than being paranoid about controlling the space. Mm. Um, it, it shouldn't surprise us that you know, these type of conversations can emerge. I've heard a few podcasts that, that Brad Jerzak's done, including on your podcast. I, I remember actually the first time I ever heard Brad Jerzak speak, I almost, I think I was driving and I had to pull over. Like I was <laughs> almost in years. But just go, oh, right, okay. This makes sense. You know, just the idea of the the difference in between East and West around justice in particular, which yeah. obviously in, in evangelical circles, uh, the idea of I deserve judgment because I'm a sinner. You know, I'm a pile of crap and, and you know, Jesus came to die on the cross to save me because I'm a pile of crap. This sort of thing of, well, actually ju- their view of justice is like a hospital. Like you're here to be restored. Yeah, that's right. And it's a process and it's a journey and it's okay. Man, I just I I love that to know that everyone's on that journey. Mm. That's I mean that's sort of definitely where I've come to. I, I certainly don't look at people that aren't in in church or don't ascribe a Christian label and go, oh, well, I've got to try and get you in somewhere and make you like me. Encourage you on that journey towards justice, which is restoration and healing and deliverance and shalom. Ultimately, yeah, um, right. peace, perfect peace, flourishing. You know, to live living that and, and you know that that life of that we're all kind of meant to to live in that sense, which is kind of a little bit prosperity doctrine of me. But you know, you you know, but it's not about it's not about the, the money and possessions, but it's about living a life that's yeah, where you're not you're crippled by injustice. Mm. Um, mm, yeah. To be fully transparent, I'm probably much more of the not that I want to convert people to, into Christianity, but I'm certainly much more of the grounding people's life in the person of Jesus, which in that sense probably makes me much more of the classic traditionalist in this conversation. That Something that I've discovered as well in the last uh, little while is I've sort of gotten more involved. So part of my deconstruction uh, has, has led me more into thinking more about activism and more about social justice. Mm. And, and I'm more certainly more involved in causes particularly around refugees, asylum seekers, you know, indigenous things, all that sort of stuff. And something that struck me, I was at an Invasion Day rally at the start of the year, which, by the way, Invasion Day was January January 26th was a Sunday this this year, just as we're speaking, which was quite interesting. In Queensland, we call them Murrays. So oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this beautiful Murray woman got up on stage, this, this older lady got up on stage, and she cracked the Bible open. So this would have been in a rally. There would have been, I don't know how many people were there, probably 10,000 people. Seven years only said there was only 5,000, but, you know, they're full shit. Um, but they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. There was a lot more than that. Anyway, but um, she cracked the Bible open in Isaiah and basically, you know, read this passage, which was, I can't remember exactly where I was now, but it was all like talking about fall of Israel and you haven't, you know, cared for the poor and for the marginalized and the empires will fall. And you know what? I was it. I was the Babylonian in the crowd as a white guy. And my Mm. friends were were with me, you know, white people. Yep. um, Mm. Watching this. And I said, I turned around to the, this friend that was with me. I said, I, I'm in church. This is a yeah. holy moment. Yes, that that's right. Actually, this this empire that mm. I benefited from as a white person yeah. is going to crumble because yeah. 
because it is fundamentally based in injustice. Yeah. Um, and I think that so many times where I've been in rooms with people or been out in rallies or done been with people that are really energised by causes, I felt to use a bit of a Pentecostal term, I'm like, oh, man, I can feel the presence of God here. This mm. is really, there is something about the spirit of God that is in this space. Mm. And I kind of think that's where God is. Mm. Like I, mm. I can walk into a black auditorium. I mean, black as in the walls are all black, you know, yeah. white <laughs> yeah. and all that, or mainly full of white people, um, <laughs> middle-class white people. And it's all of the, the lights and all of the crazy, you know, stuff, right? And I go, this is dead. There's yeah. nothing here. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is yeah. Consumerism. This is That's just right. capitalistic consumerism. Yeah. Christianity. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing holy about this. It's just a bunch of words and a yeah. bunch of yeah, that's notes good. played on a guitar and yeah. it and, and and just sort of therapeutic. What is it? They call it therapeutic. Oh, um, I know the word. Uh, therapeutic uh, moralistic moralism deism. or deism yeah. or whatever it is. It's like, well, how can you live a better life? How can you, how can you, whatever? I was like, well, it's, it's freaking irrelevant. Mm, yeah. I'm not interested because it's not interested in actually making the world better. It's just making, it, it's interested in just making me richer. And yeah. really, it's just not the gospel. That's so right. I could, as far as, as far as I see it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I like the language that Jared McKenna uses, being swept up in God's dream for creation. Yeah. And I love that. Speaking for myself personally, I just think there's something grounding about grounding in a story of the cosmos mm. that ends in justice. Absolutely. As Martin Luther King Jr. will put it, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Yeah. I just think that's, and like anybody, anybody, regardless of religion or irreligion. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm really mindful as you're speaking, Nathan, I'm sitting um, on the land, on the lands of the Turrbal and Yagara people. Mm-hmm. And I guess, for the sake of this, and I probably should have done this right at the start, I, I want to just acknowledge the fact that I'm sitting on on land that was never ceded and there, there is a, a long history of uh, of life and mm. civilization on these lands. And and I guess you talk about grounding. So grounding, in, I guess, in, in the gospel or in, in theology or whatever else, but I also think there's a certain grounding in the in the story of where we are as yes, well. And yes, so the good. more that I find out about the story of the Torrible and Yagura peoples that, that yes. called Mianjin, which is the, the um, Aboriginal name for Brisbane, home for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The more I find out about them, the more I the more I hear about what this land was like. And yes. yeah, and you just go, man, what was actually totally. happening? Yes. Um, with yes. space, and so grounding yourself in that in that story, yeah, that's even good. just in terms of the imagination of that's good. the fact that the spirit of God was yes. working. That's right. In a in 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 this land, that's right. Before, Definitely way long, long yep. before. Yeah, uh, white people arrived. That's here. right. Mm. I find that incredibly grounding. Yes. And just knowing, and this isn't my story. Mm. That, this, mm. that this is a universal story, not mm. just uh, a colonial story that I'm a part of. It's funny. I was only driving down the road the other other day, uh, Daniel and Ben, and I was thinking. I, I just t- looked to my right. I was there's this traffic lights. So I looked to the right, and I saw a tree, and it's on you know Wajat Nunga Nunga land. I thought to myself. I wonder how old that tree is. Like that tree 
could have been here way before white people came to this land. It was yeah, like, sure. it's just this profound moment yeah. of like, you know, these lands that we find ourselves in that we now call Australia, but that wasn't always called that. What stories is it telling? Yeah. I think it's just like, and it's just a general, I mean, I love being in nature for that. Mm. Just that sense of, we think we're all that. We think we're the, like the center and the point of the story. Um, and I know like I, I probably have a bit of a different mentality here when I say like Christ isn't just all people, but it's all creation. But they, like that's where that really plays out for me. Like, you know, seeing a tree mm. or going and seeing like, this is part of the story. This is like, yeah. it's been here freaking longer than I have been. Yeah, as if wow. it's, I think I'm more important just because I can think it. Um, yeah, that's all of this is just inclusive. And I love how Richard Raw will always say that um, our understanding of God, if it isn't bigger and more inclusive, mm. you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's good. And, yes. and I, I know we've talked about like the cycle of deconstruction and reconstruction, and that sort of stuff. But for me, that should always be like a bigger circle mm. that gets more inclusive and more broad every time that you go through that process. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is good. I like as, as a Pentecostal, like that's so the Pentecostal story, it was Jonathan Martin who once said to me, it's like what makes Pentecostalism kind of a distinct movement it is, is that it draws its final authority from the spirit. It's like tradition. Yeah. Scripture. Yeah. Very important. But actually what is the spirit doing yeah. and discerning that, uh, which I know for some of our listeners, it's kind of a fearful question because they, because some of them have been actually hurt by people going, well, the spirit's telling me this yeah. and it's been weaponized. Because but, it, yeah. And it got contained. It got made. Yeah, small, that's like, that's right. Yeah. And weaponized. But actually like when you transition it to the, the area of the contemplative Christianity in particular, there can be a, a deeper sense of asking what the spirit is doing in that space. And like, yeah, even look at the story in the book of Acts, you have the eunuch who's reading the desire and wondering if he can be included in what God's doing through Jesus. Mm. And I think it's Peter who goes, yeah, I think you can. And then <laughs> you know, Nick is like, oh, look, there's a puddle of water. Let's, let's get baptized. Yeah. And like, that's radical. Like yeah. that's, that's, a, that's an ever-expanding circle yes. of the Spirit's work. I'll speak up for the more liturgical traditions. Probably a, a blind spot that maybe some more Pentecostal type traditions have is that they're very prone to emphasizing the the praise or the positive aspects of of worship so part of part of my story and part of my deconstruction was the fact that yeah i went through a marriage breakdown and i struggled hugely with anxiety and a part of that for me and i alluded to it before when was talking about my Anglican upbringing and the fact that it kind of held me in good stead in a way that I kind of went off into this sort of Pentecostal, evangelical, charismatic kind of place and found found that place in there. And, you know, and I went through, I, I started deconstructing some of, some of that stuff unknowingly. Um, I think we all start off a little bit unknowing. Oh, I don't think we all, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we start off going, oh, how am I going? How am I going to completely and utterly mess up what I believe here? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, I think I think we've said before. Majority of our thought is unconscious. When the point where we come aware totally. of it is just like the last bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. For me, it was a frustration. I I couldn't articulate it back then, but I now know what that was. But for me, I just remember the last days that I spent sitting in the Pentecostal mega church that I was a part of. 
And I always used to sit down towards the front of the auditorium when I was deep into it and I'd just progressively move further and further back into the auditorium where until the, to the point where I remember the last couple of times I was there, I was sitting up in the stadium seating right up the back in the back row where all where all of the kind of the, the people that could wanted to make the quick exit were, right? Yep. That was where I was. And I just remember sitting there one day, I didn't know what life was going to be like. And actually the notion of praising my way through the storm <laughs> was actually a load of crap. Yeah. Because totally. I because I didn't want yep. to praise God at that point in time. I still mm. believed in God. I didn't see the value in raising my hands and saying how great God was when my life had turned to shit. Yeah. And so yeah. um and so for me it was it was going there's whole books in the Bible that are, are dedicated to lament. Like, yeah, that's right. There's like a book called Lamentations. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All these psalms that were all about lament. And so what I rediscovered, and, and actually probably partly through Brian Zond, actually, because he talks a bit about this sort of stuff in his writing, stumbled back upon Anglican liturgy again and was, uh, yeah, or liturgy more generally, just that mm. sort of thing. And the idea of the fact that you could go into a space where my experience of grief mm. and loss and anxiety and depression and all of the things that I was going to, there was a place for me in yeah. that space. Yeah. That was an incredibly profound thing because that was, I didn't find that in my Pentecostal church, but I found it in in the fact that I could sit and mm. I and I, there were prayers that were that had been prayed by people for hundreds of years in prayer books and and all of that sort of stuff when I couldn't pray yeah, with my own good. words. I didn't mm-hmm. have the words to pray. Yep. Um, the fact that I could then journey through. That's right. You know, and there's an incredible dynamism actually in, tradi- in more traditional liturgical worship where you actually go through the liturgical calendar. And you know, mm-hmm. and you know what? You know what the thing that when I first left that whole thing, the thing that I found incredible was the fact that they have the liturgical calendar has ordinary time. Yeah, Absolutely. I love that. I was so excited <laughs> after you know, however long, 13, 14 years where I had to be up every yeah. single friggin' week. Yeah. You know, I've got to be, you know, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. It's going <laughs> to be amazing. Ordinary time. I didn't mm. have to expect anything. Right. I just turned up and I prayed a bunch of prayers and just did my thing. And That's it was good. just like. Oh, I love yeah. that. Like, it was wonderful. But there is this incredible dynamism. You go through the various seasons and the seasons reflect so much about our human experience. Yeah. And also the fact that you work from a lectionary as well, which means that the pastor doesn't have a pet passage that he preaches from every yep. other week. That's yeah, right. that's yep. good. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, good. Okay, I've got this passage and I've actually heard ministers actually say this where they're like, oh, God, I don't know that I can do, like I'm going to have real trouble preaching this week because <laughs> I don't know that I really like the passage that I've got. Yeah, that's good. This week. But it forces us as a discipline to actually go, okay, so I can't preach that message about prosperity <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. or how I'm going to get richer and God's just wanting to give me more stuff. Yeah. And 
I actually have to confront the really some really problematic stuff in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and um, and go. Oh, I don't know that I like that. I don't think I agree. Yeah. You know, so it forces us to then engage some of that stuff as well. And mm. I think there's so much value. I know I've sat. And I was part of a, a community for a little while after I'd left my Pentecostal church. It was in a, a shout out to St Andrews Uniting and Susan Pickering as well here in Bris Vegas. The <laughs> fact that we would go through the lectionary and we would go, wow, I don't know if I like that passage very much, but some of the richest discussions happen because we're like, I'm actually having real trouble with this. But then you do some reading and some study around it and you go and then you talk about it and then you're like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something about this passage that actually speaks to me. Yeah, or sure. that maybe is applicable to my life or or actually speaks about our world as it is. Mm, um, mm. And there's something really rich in that. So so yeah, I'll I'll um I'll speak up and just say as much as the the Pente sometimes dis tradition and go, well, it's just dead religion, there's actually yeah. a whole lot of life in that in, in terms of the fact that there's so much that reflected in our own human experience that we can exp- we actually have the freedom yes. then to express without having to be happy all the time, which yeah. who wants that? You know? Yeah, I know, right? Because life's not like that. Yeah. I, I went through this phase at one point praying through the Psalms. So, you know, pick a Psalm a day and like read it well, as a personal prayer. And it's similar to that liturgy sort of thing where you kind of like, you come across it like, you know, at the beginning, it was great. And then I came across a lament psalm and I'm like, oh yeah, that, why would I? But then actually like, okay, let's just do it. Start praying it. I'm like, okay, no, I actually have experience that, you know, not saying I was a Middle Eastern Jew under oppression by an enemy nation, but at the same time, I wouldn't normally put that into prayer. I wouldn't normally acknowledge that in my life to the point where I'm like, okay, these words are actually forcing me to do that. And just to sit there in tears mm. to actually have something that was written by someone else mm. so openly and honestly open up something inside my own heart that was real, which like you're saying, just the hype doesn't get. Mm. Um, yes. And God and spirituality needs to be way more real than that. Absolutely. And that seems like, in terms of the trajectory of our faith transitions towards a more real God, a more kind of earthy kind of like as life as it is, which shouldn't surprise us. Cause if we go, cause a lot of our faith transitions, let's be honest, are grounded in experiences that confront us, whether it be, um, I've known people who, you know, went through a faith transition because they have a death of a loved one or they went through a faith transition because they lost their job or went through a faith transition through X, Y, Z, name name whatever it is, that actually got them to shake up their own kind of where they're at to the point it's like, oh, this way of understanding things can't handle this. I got to think more deeply. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that, yeah, Richard Raw talks about moving into the second half of life. Yes. Oh. I, and I and I absolutely can relate to that. I think yep. that, um, and and I think a particular a lot of people I speak to, they've had a, an experience, a tra- some sort of traumatic experience, yeah, where, whereby they've gone, for the box that I've put God in, it's actually pretty limiting, and it's not really working. It forces you then to go and and ask questions. I think that if you if you don't go through that in some way, I mm. think that. It's it's very hard because like I mean look man I remember going back ten years ago man 
like that the the Pentecostal evangelical space I was in was so comfortable. I yeah. loved it. It was great. I loved going to church every week. You know, um, it was life. I felt like it was life giving. Like I had lots of friends, and it was really wonderful. But but then then life hit me, and so all of the formulas that I had all of a sudden mm. didn't work anymore. I think coming through that, it's going. Well, what what's what is God? Yeah. yeah. What's that construct about? I just remember and feeling very very alone and going. Well, I'm I'm the only one in my community going through this and I've, man, I'm asking all these questions. I mean, I literally walked into a good Friday service at my old church and going, I don't believe any of this yep. anymore. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and so you sort of go, all right. And then, and then like advert, there was a, a small community that I was a part of for about 18 months. It was called Hold Fast, and they they quoted all of these various little authors. I'm like, oh wow, I'm not alone here. Cool, yeah, yeah, you know. And so finding that community was really really important for me as well, yeah, and definitely. actually being out, having the license to have those conversations mm. without someone looking at you with a really concerned look on their face and recommending, you know, Andy Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes, yes. Andy Stanley has a really good message about this. You need to listen to it and, you know, don't, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to listen to Andy Stanley anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it's fine if you want to. <laughs> fine if you want to. I actually love, I actually really enjoyed his stuff back in the day. But yeah, exactly. I'm at anymore. It's not a safe place to be. Like uh, oh. you're actually under threat from the people around you in a lot of ways because it may not be physical sense, but in the sense of rejection, like mm. they're they're about to kick you out. Yes. Um, and our primal fear is to go, ah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, going back a- to, and going back to what we were saying before, you being evicted from your tribe. Yeah, that's, that's horrifying. Really that's, that's death. That's like, right. I mean, we're, we're, we're human, human experience, that's death. Like, that's, that's right. The worst we're communal experience. creatures. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we want to feel like we belong. Yeah. And it's about speaking for myself, having a people who aren't in a box, but neither don't have a box, but just it's a box that is open and can see everyone else yep. and can learn from one another and yep. be okay with that. Um, what, what would be, maybe perhaps to round it out, what would be people's, I don't know if advice is the right word, I don't know, people on this journey, what would we say, what would be kind of your words of wisdom that you would say to somebody who is going through a spiritual transition? I guess like the first thing that comes to mind for me, be careful about who you talk to because you are under threat in some ways, like we've talked about. Just kind of going, I'm going to tell everyone about this thing. And if you're like, if you're really strong within yourself, that's great. But I think in a deconstruction phase, usually we're in a very vulnerable space. So taking time to, I think that's where asking questions is really helpful as well. You can gauge where people are at and how they're going to treat you. Hear people's stories and kind of, all right, cool. This is what I can share here. This is what I can't share there. At the same time, using that process to find people that you are safe with because that feeling of being alone in that is soul crushing, you know, the dark night of the soul at the lowest point of it, it's inescapable. And I think it's a necessary point of the process, but trying to find people that can actually echo you and you feel some sort of security with helps to form a sense of reconstruction after that. Mm. And I think the second piece of advice is always just to, don't close off the experience. Go like, oh, let's just move through this. I just want to get to deconstruction. I just want to know what I need to believe. I just want my new sense of fundamentalism so everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, 
mm-hmm. but just to kind of go, all right, let's actually sit in the discomfort. Let's actually move through the discomfort. Yeah. It's actually like, I'm in a point now where I'm, I would say I'm even through reconstruction and I'm in just like a standard life phase. And I look at it, I'm like, I'm kind of bored with it. I'm like, bring on deconstruction again. I miss that. But there's, it's healthy as well to be in all, each stage has its own sense of health. And you will get there, but it's just being open to the process and enjoying it for what it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I would say you're not a weirdo. Yes. <laughs> and that lots and lots and lots of people, even before it became the cool thing to do, you know, quote unquote, because we have the internet now. I Mm. I don't know what I would have done without without podcasts on the internet and stuff. I don't know. Mm. I can't imagine going through this without all the amazing resources that are out there these days for this stuff. Mm. Um, But in the the community on the internet that I've I've found um, through this as well, but lots and lots of people have gone through it. You're going to find that people are going to look at you going, what the hell happened to you? Lots of people have done that with me. People that I've met in the last probably three years, I've I've had to go, guys, if you'd known me back in even 2015, 2014, I'm different, very mm. different um, in how I look at things. I think that that's very un- that can be really unsettling for people mm. around you. So you're not weird. Heaps and heaps of people have walked this process and have gotten into different places. And I think being having that openness and the courage to be open, I think mm. is really important because, yeah, you might land in a place that, you know, you're probably not going to agree with all the people that you've done life with for, for a long time. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I would also say is, yeah, find community. So there's lots of group, there's there's Facebook groups and stuff like that where there's people that are doing this sort of stuff I know that there's lots of there. Are, if you actually look around, there's actually in in cities. I don't know in Australia. I know there's a lot of places in the capital cities where there's people that have gone through this that are meeting regularly. There's stuff happening certainly in Brisbane where you know pre-COVID certainly we were meeting regularly, and hopefully post-COVID we'll be able to. And I, I think the third one is. Go and try stuff out. Yeah. Go and find a social justice initiative to be a part of. Go to a mm, program. Good. Find mm. really, really cool people at those places. Something that I've really found, I'm not right at the moment, I'm not I'm a member of a church and I don't know how long that will be and I don't even know. I'm just sussing that yeah. out. But it's amazing to me the amount of cool stuff that happens on Sunday mornings that aren't sure. Oh, no, right. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, and I'm even, so much more connected with me. my community since not going to churches on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, like I love going to the beach, but things like um, participating in Clean Up Australia Day, I've never yep. done that before this yeah, year. Yeah, that's good. Because I was in church. Yep. Yeah. There's stuff going on in neighbourhoods where we got, like because they're not church-run things, we just we've just written them off and gone. Nah, I can't really be involved in that because it's not a church thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Like, get involved in stuff. Go and be a part of a community garden project, or go and mm-hmm. clean mm-hmm. up your local park, or go and um, That's right. you know. That's good. Yeah. Get involved in in community stuff, you know, because it's almost like the limits get taken off a little bit, and you sort yeah. of go, oh, all of a sudden I can do all this other stuff, which actually. It's part of a really healthy spirituality, and you just never know who you might meet through that mm, as well. So that's right. 
Yeah. That's really good. And I want to echo that as well. I personally believe that Jesus is in those places. You know, Jesus isn't just in the the four walls of a constructed building that we call a church, even though it's people. Jesus loves creation, so why not clean up the beaches? You know, Jesus yeah. loves us sticking it to the man that if it's oppressive, so why not join a protest? So I just want to echo that. Mm. For for myself as someone who's probably thoroughly in the church world in this conversation, I guess I want to say to perhaps more of the people who are in that church world who might be listening to this is like, if you're starting to question things, that's okay. You know, there's, there's different types of doubt. And I do think there is the type of doubt that's just crippling and doesn't stand for anything. But I think Mm -hmm. there's also a, a healthy type of doubt that you see all throughout scripture, especially the Psalms as well, where it's actually okay to, to, especially in the midst of pain, to be open to questioning and to be op- open to asking those hard questions. And to know that if you're somebody who ad- does identify as a Christian listening to this podcast and still finds that precious for themselves, mm. that it's actually okay that God to understand that God's in the process of that and that, um, and that the whole point of faith isn't having it all figured out. The whole point of faith is like that of a trust fall. It's not called a cognitive belief fall. It's called a trust fall that... You can be held in the process of even not knowing any of it is true for yourself. Yeah, which which just to kind of go back to what you said, Daniel, about liturgy, that can also often be helpful. That liturgy can be an apparatus to us when we can't believe what's being said, but we can be held in those spaces as we go through those spaces of trying to work it all out. So so for those who are part of church and who are listening and who have these questions, it's I believe that, you know, trust that God can be and is part of the process and that it's okay to question that questioning isn't unhealthy mm. question is a healthy part of the journey and perhaps to realize that if your only option is either you think that it's just christianity or atheism to encourage that why evangelicalism isn't the only version of christianity i'll, I'll be honest it, it does pain me and like it's it's everyone's journey and i'm open to anyone having their own journey at the end of the day and yet i, I do often grieve going Oh, if, if only you knew that, you know, to use the kind of the, the, the imagery of, you know, Elvis has left the building. Like just if only you knew that white evangelicalism isn't the only Christianity that exists, please, please don't just deconstruct, but decolonize and realize yeah. that there are actually yeah, sure. amazing Christians out there who within my own bias are still quite thoroughly orthodox. If Christianity is still something precious to you, just, just, just throw out the "I've got my ticket to heaven" version of Christianity. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, exactly. there's much more oh, yeah. authentic, deeper like, Christianities out there. There are much more authentic, deeper Christianities out there. Good call. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Well, well this has been a delightful conversation. <laughs> great. I've loved it. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been good. It's been good. Well. We're reaching the end here. We're going to do a little spiel of saying, like, listen to all of our stuff, mm. <laughs> share with friends. <laughs> yeah, share away, people. <laughs> and if anyone's interested, oh, you know, we want to hear questions and comments. And if mm. anyone's interested in being part of what we're doing here, uh, contact us either Facebook or Facebook's probably the primary one. Yep. Uh, we're also on Instagram as well. Yeah. We same company. <laughs> same, same, but different. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us, Daniel. Oh, look, 
for guys, it's been a, a real pleasure. I've listened to some of your stuff over the journey. I love how you go about it and how how um you you offer a really good space. Thank you. Um, but uh, and I've also really appreciated, I guess your your friendship from afar, uh, Facebook <laughs> and all of that. Beautiful uh, through comments and different things, and I'm hoping that. Uh, one day when the planets align and both of our states reopen our borders again that one day i might actually make it over to perth and we might have to we might be able to do this in person that's right. rad. That. <laughs> that would be rad i mean uh, us coming to queensland isn't out of the question either it's uh, i'm willing and to if, you, if you guys ever <laughs> want to come to the to, to the promised land here that's in right that's right oh, you would take... be more than welcome we that's would, right we would welcome oh. you with open arms well it's been awesome everybody and we'll catch you all later all thank right. you I really hated that I just said Bris Vegas that's, I'm that's hilarious that. Friggin' ridiculous.